Zdravo, you beautiful bastards, and welcome to Azeroth Coast to Coast with me, your seductive host, Gavril, and my partner in crime, Mr. Chris. Hello. Last week we talked about the man, the myth, the chin, Anduin Rin, and why the subject of Grona is kind of weird to talk about, and why I regret pre-purchasing the Borderlands pre-sequel, and other sundry details. This week we're going to be digging into some more lore-related topics because Kevin is reasons again. Uh, we're going to be talking about a timely subject, actually, and that's going to be the Tomb of Sargeras, which releases in just a few days. In fact, this coming Tuesday for the U.S., and I believe it's Wednesday for the European area. No, that... it's a no? week on Tuesday and a week on Wednesday. It is? The patch comes out on Tuesday. The patch. Wednesday. That's right. That's right. You win this round. I've ruined my intro. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> talking. Uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to do the locomotion with me right into our weekend review. Chris, how you doing, my man? I'm very, very well. Thank you. How are you, bud? I'm always fantastic. You should know this by this point. <laughs> yep. Uh, so what's your week been like, buddy? My week's been relatively chill gaming-wise. I We were raiding on Thursday and WoW. My hunter got her second legendary, so I'm happy about that. Congrats, sir. Congrats, congrats. Call of the Wild Bracers, which reduces the cooldown of all of my aspects uh, by quite a large chunk. So I think my aspect of the world, which is my damage dealing cooldown, is now a minute and a half cooldown rather than three minutes. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, the turtle is the same. It's brilliant. That's like, uh... God. Uh, yeah, I was stacking um, Ardent Defender cooldown mm -hmm. on my uh, on my prop paladin, and I had, I think it's like a minute or less cooldown at this point. Mm -hmm. Which is ridiculous, because that's like a pretty consistent 20% damage reduction uptime. Mm-hmm. Which is nuts. Uh, but yeah, you were saying. Um, we're prepping up for Tomb, so we're back to start. We're starting again this week with two days a week raiding, because we're really chill and just don't want to raid more than two days a week. I know I couldn't. Um, so we're starting up again Sunday for two days. That'll be fun. Um, That's good. That's good. We're just so enthused and full of excitement right now. It is 10 o'clock in the morning, okay? It's 3.55 a.m. for me, so you can... Yes, you know, but you've been up all night socket. working. This is your normal schedule right now. You can <laughs> shut your cock socket, okay? Um, played a little bit of Heroes of the Storm. It's, I've not played it in a little while, so I realized that if I don't play it much, I get really bad at Valera. Like, really bad. That or I was just playing against people that can see my shimmer. Which is also annoying. <laughs> I hate you. I know. Continue. And in 14, I've been leveling up my Dark Knight and my Machinist. I've only got one or two quests left to do in the story for my Astrologians, so I'm just leveling up some alts before the 16th while I can't be bothered doing this last dungeon because I, I'm dungeoned out. <laughs> I understand how it goes. Um. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So, uh, again, folks, Kevin is once more uh, not here this week. Uh, he's got some personal matters to attend to. Nothing nothing a big deal. Um, but he did leave a message for me to repeat for you, which I'm going to do in my best Kevin imitation, if I possibly can. Uh, I have a severe case of boditis, and my only regret is not curing my boditis. So, Woo! good luck and Godspeed with your boditis, Kevin. Um, good job, my friends. <laughs> Hello. You gotta throw, you gotta throw it in every now and then. Um, so for me this week, it was mostly just a lot of Hearthstone. I'm still just, just because I can do that at work, I can take a five minute break and go play, you know, a quick match of Hearthstone. Um, I'm still on my way to a Legend grind this season, and I've got like five semi-competitive decks, but I'm gonna have to be crafting a bunch of priest ones because priest is actually very strong in the meta right now. So, um, really kind of actually looking forward to trying to figure out which priest deck exactly I want. Um, having a lot of fun with that. I, I'm always having fun with Hearthstone though. I, I fucking yeah. just love it. Um, that's why you're a Hearthstone guy. Yep. I'm a Hearthstone kind of guy. Um, I'm also playing, uh, some Starcraft two when I'm at home, uh, because I can just do co-op commanders when, 
you know, middle of the night, nobody else is on, I can just play co-op commanders uh, and just, you know, matchmake myself in with some people. Um, I'm still working on a couple of commanders that I have that aren't quite 15 yet. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and of course, I'm also playing, still playing some Star Trek Online because reasons, and because I'm really kind of tired of uh, non-story fetch quest content in the Broken Shore. I, I just, I just got so burned out just doing like, oh hey, go kill these hundred demons in this area, and you know, with with the mounts coming out, Get marks I'm gonna... of the Sentinel. Yeah, God help me. Um, <sighs> with the mount storyline out now. Um, I'm probably going to play a little bit more while I try to get caught up on the mountain storyline, but since I'm not like actively raiding at the moment, I'm not really too concerned about going and doing, um, getting ready for Tomb. I will say with the mount quest, because I just did the Hunter one a couple days ago, it's actually very fun. The Hunter one is very cool. Um... It involves Odin and some tracking, actual tracking of where monsters are. It's actually kind of cool. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're thrilled to have your uh, downy Windrider. I'm thrilled for you. It's a wolf hawk. Okay. Um, it sounds like something a 13-year-old metalhead would come up for an album cover. It's a wolf hawk. Okay. Uh, or maybe a band name, Wolfhawk. It's a Wolfhawk. Okay. Uh, Wolfhawk featuring Blood of Gamora. I don't know. <sighs> I hate myself. It's okay. I I'm hate sorry. you too. Don't worry. <laughs> that was that was just that was a really weak burn. It really yep. was. I, I I expect better of myself at this point. <laughs> um. So I think that about covers everything going on with us right now, uh, including yep. Kevin's bonitis, uh, Godspeed. And that you suck. And that I suck, yes. So I think we've actually covered just about everything that's going on right now. So mm -hmm. uh, I know we have got a little bit of listener feedback, so if you'd like to go ahead and take that away, I would love that. Don't shout at me this time. Um, at PotatoSwag91 says, blood flow at 100% with this last episode. I can barely keep it in my pants for the next lore episode. I am Nikolai. I am so glad you know you've you've solved that ED problem you had. Mm -hmm. You know, I I am just I I'm thrilled that you found that thing. It is amazing that you no longer have ED, Nikki. It's it's and he is going to murder us. Yes, uh, but it's his own fault. For it's his own fault. Giving comments like that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Integral AI. I'm not sure if he liked the episode or he didn't. I kind of hope you liked it. It's kind of vague, but I'm okay with that because I'm a kind uh, of vague I, person. I, I think it's a great comment. Uh, as regards to the last episode, episode 24, he says, In which our intrepid hosts discuss incest, why you should not pre order ever, invoke Godwin's Law, and finally talk about Anduin lore. Yeah, we did kind of talk. We did kind of ramble for a good half hour there. But we did get a good half hour of Anduin lore, so there is that. We did. Yeah, it's, it's you have to trade, you know, just. Just if you know, if you're here for the actual, you know, meat of the show, just jump forward about a half hour and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, so I think that's about all the stuff. Um, thank y'all for giving us some feedback. We always love to hear it. Um, anybody else out there has feedback, you know how to reach us. I will give you all the relevant Twitter handles and everything else at the end of the show. And if you want to know it right now, because you can't fucking wait it's of course at Azeroth, at azeroth ctc on twitter so uh of course we do always have some news coming up this week um so did you want to talk uh wow news or did you want to talk the next i'll do the next two you do the last stuff okay uh so wow news this week we do have a 7.25 expectation on the launch date that's gonna be the 13th and the 14th that's gonna be this tuesday or wednesday depending on your region uh that's gonna bring us trial of style um oh god a couple of new micro holidays along with it's uh basically the beginning lead-in into the tomb of sargeras patch that will be uh opening up Get, shortly gets us those new legendaries as well yeah, uh, some of the new legendaries, which some of them are kind of broken, which I'm glad they actually did go ahead and fix most of those. Yep. I'm very excited for the rings, though. Those talent rings are awesome. It's a Hellfire Amulet, the, the ring. Hmm? It's the Hellfire Amulet from Diablo 3. 
The yeah, ring. yeah, that one was yeah. It, it, it's it's Hellfire Amulet, the ring. Yeah, but I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of derivative, but it's okay. Your mother. Yeah, she's a nice lady. Uh, 7.2.5 uh, we are going to go ahead and link a nice little 7.2.5 prep video uh, from Belluar um, he is of course a YouTube and WoW celebrity minor celebrity celebrity, whatever you want to say at this point um, it's a good video I haven't really gone through it myself since I've been kind of off of WoW recently and not really prepping for 7.2.5, but I know that uh, Chris is vouching for it and he is saying it's fantastic, so uh, give it a watch if you're interested in learning a little bit about what you need to be ready for in 7.2.5. The video goes through all the content that's going to be releasing in 7.2.5, as well as some speculatory content that we don't know too much about, Um, and then it goes into what you should be doing, what you can be doing, and what you can probably avoid doing because of some certain loophole mechanics. Yeah. Um, so, in other news, we do have the official 7.2.5 patch notes. They have dropped, and we are aware of what is coming in exactly with the patch. Uh, the high notes we're going to hit is going to be Time Walking Black Temple, uh, which is you are going to be scaled to level 70. Your item level is going to be 141. Uh, so you're on the low. You're on the you're on the average side for going into black temple uh they have specified that it's going to be tuned to the lower end of normal um i'll dig the quote up for that from wherever i can i think it was a twitter interaction somebody had with one of the dev team from what people were actually saying from people that were testing it though Mm -hmm. there's it's actually tuned very well for difficulty wise it's not too easy it's not too difficult it's just in that good spot where you can just kind of pug it um, bear in mind, you do have to actually make up your own group, so you can't. There's no queue system for it. You can pug for it and then just jump in and just have a good time. So I'm I'm happy about that. I have heard though that uh, Gore Fiend and Blood Boil are still killer of pugs, which is fantastic to hear. Which is fantastic because that's very nostalgic. Yep, because takes us back. Yep, Blood Boil was a pain in the ass fight because it required. You know what was it? Three groups staggering themselves close to blood boil to uh, soak the mechanic, Um, and of course, uh, Gorefiend required you to be um, on top of your game completely because of the ad swaps and the phase shifting. I'm also excited because I never got touched the raid black temple. Oh, you poor asshole! You're gonna. I was the one that was sitting there in guild chat and event just less about ventrilo. Back in day. <laughs> I was on just sitting there listening to all the fun fun escapades from my guild and I was like, I wanna do it. But they wouldn't go they wouldn't take me back to do all the old previous content, so I had to pug a lot of it and by the time I actually got up to the point where I could do Black Temple, we were moving on to Wrath. Yep. Uh moving on to Wrath and Sunwell probably. Yep. Um, so the other other high notes we're going to be getting is, of course, we will be getting the Deaths of Chromie scenario that we've talked about quite a bit. Um, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, I can't wait to actually get into it. Me neither. It's it, th- this Deaths of Chromie is w- apparently one of the most unique things WoW Blizzard have ever added to WoW, and the fact that you have to do it multiple times. There's a lot of problem solving in it. And every time you do it, you're going to get a little bit more information. You're going to get a little bit further, a little bit more of how you're actually going to save Chromie. And I'm so excited for this. Mm-hmm. Um, the other things we're going to be seeing is, of course, Trial of Style. Like I mentioned, we're going to see three micro-holidays. It's going to be the Great Nomergon Race, the Auction House Dance to Do, and the Moonkin Festival. Uh, the Nomergon Race, of course, is based off of a actual event that goes on. It's a charity yeah. event that goes charity on. Charity during- event every year every year uh that's uh made by players and uh blizzard liked the idea so much they approached the folks that put the event on and uh they got their blessing so uh we're gonna be getting an official uh nomergon race uh in the games which is fantastic i always love to see something that the players do that blizzard loves and as far as i know it will be coinciding with this year's official race so they'll be using the nomergon race in game to actually use uh utilize for the event so i'm very excited for that 
which is going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. There's two other major things that are, well, the high notes for 7.255. That's going to be the pet battle dungeon in the Dead Mines. Uh, so that is the continuation of the uh, pet battle dungeon concept and conceit. Uh, so that is going to require the completion of the pet battle dungeon Wailing Caverns. You don't need to complete it on the elite difficulty. Uh, you just need to complete it on normal. So mm-hmm. if you like that kind of content, you like that sort of little interesting stuff, uh, the little stuff they've been adding, uh, just go ahead and have yourself some fun, go complete the Wailing Caverns real fast. It doesn't really take much more than, say, like a half hour to an hour, depending on how good your team is. Um, if you go full-on metagame and have, like, a perfect team, it'll take you maybe 15 to 20 minutes to get through it. So, uh, go have yourself some fun and get ready for Dead Mines incoming. Um... The other one is uh, there's going to be a new addition to the Dark Moon Fair, which, of course, is the Blight Boar Band scenario that we've talked about. Um, and, yeah, uh, there's going to be achievements, consumables, and uh, a wonderful guitar mace or helm. Some notable class changes. Um, we've got Desolate Priest getting pretty much completely redesigned. Um, all healers are getting a 25% damage increase uh, across the board. Uh, you, let's see what else we got. We've got Subtlety Rogues getting a lot of work done. I think Rogues as a whole are getting a lot of work done just to kind of make the specs so more individual, go more into the class fantasy. And I know Enhancement's getting a lot of redesign as well as Destruction Warlock. So, yeah. And Arms Warriors as well. Yeah, well, I I really can't wait to see what they're gonna do with what what actually happens with rogues over the next couple of patches because they really have kind of strayed a little bit from the uh, class fantasy into the spec fantasy. So I really I really can't wait to see what they're gonna do with that. Oh, and vengeance demon hunters apparently are getting quite a few changes as well. So if you're a vengeance tank, have a look at those. Yep. Um, they did add some buffs. They did buff up the health and damage uh, per keystone level. Um, and you can now do group finder searches yeah. for Trial of Valor and Nighthold. So I think it, it was originally an 8% damage increase. 8% health and damage. It's now 10%. And when you're above key level 10, it's 20% and up. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, we've also gotten some updates to the Midsummer Fire Festival, which should be going on very shortly. Um, and Frost Lord Ahun, which is the uh, repeatable Corn Dire Brew Crown Chemical Company esque Q for the event, Headless Horseman Q boss for the event, Daily Q boss, is yeah. now available to players beginning at level 70 and does have scaling tech added in. So uh, if you have any alts and you're going for some of those transmog pieces he has, like the uh, like the scythe or the pet, you can now start queuing for that at level 60 and it will scale to you. So you can do a mixed party. So it's going to be much quicker think, than it was in previous years. I don't think 60 and 70 is enough. I think they need to just scale it all the way down to 15. I wouldn't mind it, but it's just like you you, you don't have all of your core abilities by 15. Yeah, but these bosses... When have these bosses ever needed core abilities? Active mitigation. Um, AoE which one heals. Needs, which, which one needs active mitigation? I don't know. I'm just throwing out buzzwords. You're just throwing out buzzwords. They're, they're not helping. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, also, uh, 7.255 will officially give us the ability to increase heirloom items up to a maximum level of 110. Uh, you can visit the art, uh, you can visit the heirloom vendors in Undercity or Ironforge to purchase upgrades or collect new upgrades during our various holidays. So uh, you've always seen that there are various holidays you can do that will give you access to upgrade tokens and things like that. Um, heirloom vendors now will offer toy items that can be used to teach the flight paths for Kalimdor and Easter Kingdoms for new characters as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really going to cover the high notes. Uh, we've seen uh, some changes, some buffs to professions. Um, and that's really about it. Um, we'll go ahead and jump on over into our next one, which is going to be Heroes of the Storm, which I think you wanted to cover today, Chris. Yes. So Malthiel is now live on the PTR. Uh, he is expected to launch between the, the same time as the WAP patch, 13th, 14th. Uh, it's usually a week on the PTR at 
two weeks at the most. So if it's not this week, it'll be live next week. A uh, little overview of Malthea's abilities. His passive is Reaper's Mark, which um, basic attacks will affect uh, non-structured targets with Reaper's Mark for four seconds, uh, dealing 2.5% of their maximum health every second. Uh, his, he is his, definitely a tank killer. Oh, he is a tank killer, hands down. Uh, basic ability Q, you've got Soul Rep, which will extract the souls of nearby enemies affected with Reaper's Mark, dealing damage to the enemy and healing Malthiel for a portion of the damage dealt. Um, heroic targets, which is heroes, will deal, uh, heal Malthiel for three, an additional 3%. Uh, Wraith Strike, which is his W, is an instant teleport through an enemy affected by Reaper's Mark. Uh, and will be it will deal damage and refresh Reaper's Mark. So you'll notice that Q and W both require Reaper's Mark to be active on a target to even use the abilities. Yeah, so he's a combo-based uh, yeah, attacker. Pretty much. And Reaper's Mark, whenever you do an auto-attack, Reaper's Mark gets applied. So be yeah. auto-attacking like got, crazy. I know he's got uh, a lot of abilities and talents that also help propagate the mark or increase the duration of the mark. So um, or it example, looks like there's... his E. <laughs> Yeah. So, it looks like, so it looks like he's going to have uh, quite a few little, uh, hopefully he's going to have more than one or two different builds uh, yeah. right off the bat that are going to be competitive and going to be, you know, usable in game. Yeah. Um, but his death road after a 0.25 seconds will unleash a wave of dark mist that applies Reaper's Mark to all enemies it hits. So that's one of those things that are going to really utilize that death mark and get you more into combos. So that's interesting. And he's got two heroic abilities. You've got uh, Tormented Strike, which is gain 20 armor and unleash a torrent of souls, continually applying Reaper's Mark to enemies for four seconds. Which, uh, if you've played, that's his. Uh, that's the ability he does before the phase two transition yep. into the second half of the fight, where he teleports to the middle and all the stuff starts spinning around him. Yep. And then you've got Last Rites, which is the first questing ultimate ability, which I think is really cool. Um, so last rites applies a death sentence to an enemy hero that after two seconds deal damage equal to 50% of their missing health. Uh, and again, this is a repeatable quest. So enemies killed while under the effect of last rites permanently reduce its cooldown by five seconds to a maximum of 15 seconds. I the minimum, sorry, of 15 seconds. I can see him being a really good addition to a dive comp as long as he's got the uh, mobility. Yeah, from what a lot of people are saying, he is very squishy, but he will rip you apart. I'm just, I'm very sad that they didn't give us the, uh, that we didn't get the, um, the, and I, of course I'm hitting shit next to my desk. Um, <laughs> the, um, I'm very sad that they're not going to give us the wave of fire wings that ability he had in the Malthiel fight in Diablo 3. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think I can live with this. Um, well, there is a uh, there is an event coming to Heroes as well, mm -hmm. uh, likely to start on June twenty seventh. It'll be the summer event. Uh, during the preview for Malthiel and the end development video, we saw a lot of skins that are summer related for Tychus Tracer. Um, we saw a surfboard mount, so we're more than likely going to see an event coming to Heroes, uh, unconfirmed but more than likely predicted to be the twenty seventh, roughly of June gonna be interesting can't yeah. wait to see what's gonna happen I, I i i love the events and heroes and overwatch so i i want more yeah well we should be hopefully getting the summer event the summer games event in overwatch soon also yeah. because they tend to like to compress everything kind of into the same sort of time period so we'll probably see midsummer fire festival which we, if I was actually in game, I can tell you exactly when it starts. But we'll see like Midsummer Fire Festival, the summer event in Hots, and the summer games in Overwatch, probably all around the same time. More than likely. But speaking of Overwatch, mm -hmm. um, there was something I saw on Blizzard Watch that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to talk about. So uh, earlier this year, China implemented a anti-gambling law which requires games to divulge the probability to earn certain drops in random loot boxes. Um, there's also a new law which... which there's, they've changed the client in, in the Chinese version of Overwatch mm -hmm. to potentially exploit a loophole in the new law. 
I think that's the best way to put it, exploit, because it is. Um, so the way that you purchase in-game items in Overwatch, and specifically the Chinese clients, the only the Chinese clients, they've changed it now that you will purchase in-game currency. So you will purchase five in-game currency um, for roughly swapped to US dollars is one dollar seventy seven cent. It's like twelve renminbi. Yeah, twelve uh, renminbi. But you will also be gifted, in quotations, gifted two loot boxes. Mm-hmm. So you're not buying the loot boxes; you're well, buying the currency. I I feel like that's less a way to get around, you know, the having to post re, uh, post numbers and things like that, and more a way of getting around other gambling laws that prevent them just, from, you know. Yeah, there's quite a few gambling laws that they've implemented, but that the the numbers one was the biggest one that's been publicized. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it was a whole suite of laws they passed. So yeah, this is m- quite a few. less. This is less about them trying to get around having to post numbers, which they've they've done, uh, mm-hmm. and more. It seems more like they're trying to get around some of the various gambling laws that exist on the Chinese books. So, I'm trying to find the exact law. Uh, but yeah, um, so you can buy five five currency and two chests, fifteen currency and five chests, thirty currency and eleven chests, sixty and twenty four, and a hundred and twenty for fifty. Now, bear in mind, five currency. Is about a fifth of what this uh, a spray is, and that's the cheapest possible item in the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I just think it's really interesting and really clever. Is that, is that a good word to use there? Clever. Um, shifty. Shifty is a good word. Cunning. Cunning is definitely a good word. Unscrupulous. Uh, I don't like that word as much. <laughs> I, I I love unscrupulous. It's a fantastic word. But yes, okay. you were saying. No, I just, I just, I just thought of something that we should talk about. I like it. I think it's, I think it's a great way around some of those gambling laws uh, without breaking the law. So I like it. Yeah, but China is very well known for basically going. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah, they are. But we'll yeah, see how long that lasts. I see what you did there. Have fun in Gulag. We'll see how long that lasts. We'll see exactly how long it lasts. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the General Blizzard news? Uh, the general Blizzard news is, of course, once again, we have gotten confirmation that Blizzard will be attending GamesCon over in Cologne once more. I believe it's going to be held in Cologne still. Uh, it usually is every year. It's usually every year for Cologne. But uh, yes, so they will be doing GamesCon once again in Cologne. GamesCon, of course, will be running the 22nd to the 26th. It is, of course, and I love saying, of course, it is the largest Tell. gaming convention in the world. So uh, Gamescom is typically where they Blizzard will do a lot of major announcements. Um, we've had uh, quite a few uh, announcements come directly out of it. I know last year they announced uh, a lot of the 2.0 sort of information that we got for Heroes of the Storm. Uh, yep. We also got the Bastion cinematic, the last Bastion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's where you they got Karazim rework. Um, and they've also Legion. they've announced a lot of expansions for various games, including Legion. I think they also announced uh, D three. I think they announced Reaper of Souls at Gamescom. Also, no, so. was, yeah, now it's both gone. I think. I don't know. I'll have to go take a look. But I think I know they've done a lot of major announcements over the past ten years at Gamescom. So that's fantastic news. It's always great to hear. I cannot wait to see what this year is going to bring us. We're probably going to be getting the announcement for the Hearthstone expansion, the next one that'll be incoming, mm-hmm. uh, because we're about at that point for the next Hearthstone expansion. Uh, we are probably going to see some StarCraft news at some point, more than likely. Probably going to mm-hmm. see the next. Um, if they decided that they're going to continue on with the expansion packs, the mission packs, we'll probably see. Which the next I didn't announcement. like the Nova one. Hmm? I didn't like the Nova one. I felt like I wasn't they a had fan a of lot, it. I felt like they had a lot of room they could have gone in different directions with it. I felt like they could have gone in definitely some different directions with it, but it wasn't bad. It was awful short though. It was very short, and the episodes were too long in between each other. Well, I mean, yeah, but it was episodic content. So, I mean, 
I, I anticipated it taking a while. Uh, that last one was the one that took the longest, though. Like Episodic that's months and months apart? That's... that's... Well, they, they did say that they were intending on it to come out with a sort of extended release schedule, but uh, the release schedule between 2 and 3 actually was extended at least once or twice, so that was the one that really hurt. Uh, number Between 1 and 2 wasn't bad, but 2 and 3 was pretty, pretty terrible. Um, yeah. I'd love to see some more content in that vein. Um, we might get uh, some D3 announcements, because, you know, there has been a lot of rumbling and a lot of moving around at Blizzard and a lot of uh, sort yeah. of informational kind of stuff that's kind of leaking out we had uh the job posting leaks a couple of months back um and some other various things associated with it so um, i'm just my biggest thing right now is i'm waiting to see what this un an unnamed project is well we know that they have there's a minimum of one unnamed project we know there's the one that might be related to uh diablo 3 mm -hmm, which could be an expansion or a possible diablo 4 uh, or something along the lines of Hearthstone or God help us, I don't think they're this dumb, but uh, World of Diablo. We don't know exactly what Please the job no. entails. Please no World of Diablo. <laughs> we already have no. pretty much World of Diablo at this point, so... Yeah, we, do. um, we don't need another one. So, it could be something like that, or, like I said, we're very likely... I'm pretty positive we're going to get the next Hearthstone expansion announcement in august if not earlier um i think we'll probably get more information about two three uh, sorry seven seven three mm -hmm. there as well for warcraft very likely probably seven three stuff there probably more than likely we'll get whatever the next hero announcement is possibly two hero announcements for heroes of the storm and then maybe one for overwatch since overwatch mm -hmm. is still kind of up in the air uh mm -hmm. we don't know who the hell our next uh Oh, it's Next, Doomfist. Uh, it's going to be Doomfist. The, I, they have been saying it's going to be Doomfist since before Anna released. Yeah, but this, this, for this, this is the first time we've actually seen shit happening with Doomfist in-game. Yeah, but that happened back with the Orisa launch. Yeah. Which is... We knew it wasn't going to be Doomfist now. this time. We knew it wasn't going to be Doomfist when, when Orisa launched. I launch. we think knew they're that. just dicking us around. I honestly just think they're dicking us around at this point. I, I think that we will never see a Doomfist release. Um, we are going to get, like, a Capuchin Spider Monkey or something as the next hero. Howard what? or whatever his oh, name was. Fuck. Or a, or a, or a Caesar-style Planet of the Apes, you let's know. Move, let's monkey. move on. That's fucking weird. <laughs> um, so that about covers everything we really have to talk about with uh, news this week. Uh, which is going to take us really into our main topic, which is uh, we're going to be talking about the Tomb of Sargeras, the lore associated with it, uh, and just sort of like a little primer about why the hell we give a damn about this place. Uh, in doing that, we are also going to talk about the Avatar of Sargeras, uh, which is the second to last boss in the tomb. And we're also going to be talking about Aegwyn, who has a very tight... Uh, and important history with it. A very tight and important history with uh, the tomb. Uh, and by extension, you know, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, Mediv at the same time. Um, so just to preface this, uh, we are going to be talking about some information that could possibly be retconned once Chronicle Volume 3 comes out. Most of the information out of this comes out of Chronicle Volume 1 and 2. Uh, so most of it is pretty hard canon, so I doubt we're going to see any changes to it. But uh, it's always good just to kind of give y'all a little bit of a warning before we talk about this. Yeah. Um, so some things are subject to change. Yeah. Uh, so did you want to start talking about Aegwyn or what? Um, like, you start off. You start off with Aegwyn. I would also like to point out, we're 30 minutes in, that we're on time again? What the fuck? I know. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Um, so Aegwyn is the second to last guardian of Tirasfall. She's also the longest serving... She was also the longest serving guardian of Tirasfall. Uh, she was the mother to Medivh, who became the last guardian. Uh, so the guardian of Tirasfall is a position created by the Council of Tirasfall, which was a secretive group of mages and magi. Um... Thousand, uh, almost 3,000 years ago that empowered a single exceptional mage uh, creating what they what they called the spearhead uh, as a force to take the fight to the legion when the legion showed its face. The legion, the demons, the burning legion 
the Twisting Nether, the Great Dark Beyond, whatever you want to call them at this point, uh, to take the fight to them when they came, when they came to Azeroth. Um, the first Guardian, Alodai, uh, remade the position. Uh, instead of a spearhead, he became the Guardian, uh, and his job was to guard Azeroth and guard the Council of Tirisfal, uh from the demonic threats. Uh, typically, the Guardians served for a hundred years uh, on a hundred-year watch, and they fought off the demons in the Legion as they attempted to invade and uh, harm Azeroth itself. Uh, yeah. Because the mages primarily used arcane magic, and that's one of the things that drew the Legion to Azeroth, arcane mm -hmm. magic. Mm -hmm. um, and though the typical watch for a Guardian was roughly a hundred years, uh, this tenet was broken by Aegwyn, uh, who was the second to last Guardian uh, uh, in her defiance of the Council after her confrontation with Sargeras and Northrend during 823 before the Dark Portal. That's uh, the year 823 before the Dark Portal. Uh, this places Aegwyn's age at roughly a thousand years old before her death, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, she served as Guardian for close to a thousand years, personally. Um, so, to double back a little bit about that um, confrontation with Sargeras, so during the year 823, so that's 823 years before the Dark Portal, which was about 25 to 30 plus years ago at this point. I don't know the exact timeline. Um, Ooh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, about that. What's it at now? I don't know what we're at now. Uh... It keeps changing. My my grasp of the lore is actually a little bit older than Chris's grasp of the lore, so I still have the old timelines in my head where it was 50-plus years. Yeah, but uh, a lot of that's been retconned and changed. Uh, so. and, but even then, the retcons and the changes aren't exact. Mm -hmm. So between the opening of the Dark Portal and the events of right now, we're talking... 30 to 40 years. 30 to 40, take. yeah. 30 to 40 years, give or take. Um, so this is almost 900 years ago. Um, Aegwyn, at the very end of her 100-year service to the council, she detects a demonic presence uh, at the roof of the world, also known as Northrend, um, and goes to Northrend and finds that Demons are hunting down the last of the Blue Dragonflight. Um, as you remember, the Blue Dragonflight was severely weakened uh, during... It, you, you might remember this, you might not. Uh, the Blue Dragonflight was severely weakened during the War of the Ancients and uh, the uh, Day of the Dragon events that take place in some of the Warcraft novels. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately leads to the Madness of Maligos, which ultimately leads to the... Oh god, what was the war called? What do they call the war between the mages and the dragons? Uh, was it just the magic war? Nexus Wars. Nexus, Nexus Wars. Wars, that was it. Which directly leads to Maligos' madness and the advent of the Nexus Wars during Wrath and, of the Lich King storyline. And the death of a dragon aspect. And the death of the dragon aspect. And the raising of a new aspect. Um, so... Mm -hmm. She engages in one-on-one -on -one combat with Sargeras himself after she assists the Blue Dragons in taking down the demons that were assaulting her, uh, assaulting them. Uh, she combats him directly with Aluneth, the Great Staff of uh, with the Great Staff Aluneth, which uh, contains a demon, if I remember correctly, or some elemental force. I can't remember. I haven't played by Mage in forever. Aluneth um, has a demon. I have no idea, to be frank. Um, I haven't played my mage yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you're going to complain that we don't know what we're talking about, please do. Uh, I'd love to hear you tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so she engages in combat, and Aloneth refuses to respond to her. So she casts aside Aloneth and summons Atiesh, the Great Staff of the Guardian, uh, a ceremonial weapon passed, ceremonial weapon of great power passed down from Guardian to Guardian. Um, Mind you, there have only been six, maybe seven Guardians up to the point of Aegwyn. Mm -hmm. uh, that includes Medivh, too. So there's only been a couple of Guardians that have ever existed. Um, so she casts aside Aloneth, uh, which was her personal weapon, and 
summons forth Atiesh, the great staff of the Guardian, with Atiesh's help, with, with the assistance of her, the Guardian's focus, and the blue dragonflight, she kills. Now, I hope you seriously heard the air quotes right there. Oh, I heard them. <laughs> I, I heard them. I had tried to make them as blatant as possible. Uh, with the assistance of Atiesh and the blue dragonflight, she kills Sargeras. Or, more accurately, strikes him down. Uh, and reduces the body he had inhabited, which was the avatar of Sargeras, which was a corporeal form holding a small fragment of his soul uh, within it. Uh, as he, as there were at that time no large enough portals or sources of magic on Azeroth to allow him to actually step forth into Azeroth itself. Um, mm. In destroying him, though, she becomes cocky and arrogant and overconfident in herself and opens herself up to Sargeras himself. Uh, ultimately, the destruction of the Avatar was planned by Sargeras, uh, or the uh, deactivation of the Avatar was planned by Sargeras uh, himself, and it, his whole goal was to find a way to corrupt the Guardian of Tirasfall, because the Guardian of Tirasfall was one of the few beings on the planet capable of fighting back the Legion on their own. Um, in doing so, she allows the spirit of Sargeras to take root inside of her body, and her mind, and her spirit, though she doesn't know it. Uh, and the spirit whispers to her and turns her methodologies to darkness. Um, it's during this time, just after the fight with Sargeras, that she realizes that she can't give the power back to the council. Uh, the Guardian is empowered with a fragment of each of the council members' power and a, have the choice to disempower through a ritual to return that power to the, to the council. Mm -hmm. She chooses not to. She believes the council has no respect for the position of the Guardian and that the Guardian is a figurehead and nothing more. Um, so while she acquitted herself admirably during her hundred years, her original hundred years of service, um, she ultimately does betray her charge and her duty and her mission by refusing to return the power to the Guardians of the Council and disappears for 600 years. Uh, during that time frame, the Council creates what's called the Tiras Guard. Um, and those of you who have played your mages in Legion and have done part of your Order Hall campaign, you realize that uh, the Tiras Guard is the exact same thing. It is a elite squadron of magi and sorcerers tasked originally they were tasked with finding and either retrieving or eliminating the errant guardian Aegwin by any means necessary um and so you know that the tiras guard is a council of powerful mages uh tasked with defending uh the interests of the council of tiras and the Karen Tor by extension um mm -hmm. it's during this 600 year disappearance, if you want to call it that. Um, a young mage by the name of Nila Saran, uh, who was the court mage of Stormwind, the court conjurer of Stormwind, and a member of the Tiras Guard, pursued Aegwyn uh, with unmatched fervor. Uh, and in fact, he puts her on her back foot on more than one occasion. Um, though, in doing so, he tries to get himself into her head, He like in, in a metaphorical sense. Um, and ultimately, during this, he finds himself, you know... Sympathetic to her. Sympathetic to her beliefs, and that's exactly the right word. Uh, finds himself sympathetic, and he begins to understand why she's running from the council, and why she refuses to return the power to the council. Um, during this, uh, Niels Aron and Aegwin both develop feelings for each other, and uh, they become one. Uh, this union produces... Mm -hmm. The Last Guardian, yes, giggity. Uh, this union produces the Last Guardian, Medivh. Um, and Medivh himself is the ultimate goal of Sargeras's infiltration of Aegwyn's mind and body. Um, on the birth of her son, Aegwyn locks away the power entrusted to her by the Council of Tirasfall, uh, defying a near 3,000-year-old tradition of election of the Guardian by the Council. Um, because she feels that, and of course, with Sargeras's, Sargeras whispering in her in the back of her mind, you know, she yeah. feels that the council is unsuited to determining who becomes the guardian. 
um, during Medivh's birth, after she's locked away the power of the Guardian inside of him, uh, the spirit of Sargeras also transfers into the infant Medivh, setting in motion the genesis of the events is going to shape Azeroth over the next 70 plus, 50 to 70 years. And again, the timeline, like we mentioned earlier, is kind of murky. It's somewhere between 50 and 70 years. Um, so, ultimately, Aegwen, Aegwen's own hubris is what betrays her. Yeah. That's a good word, hubris. Hubris is a very good word, I think. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so it's ultimately Aegwin's hubris that uh, dogs her and just f- creates a failure. Um, at this point, Aegwin, not long after um, Medivh is born, Aegwin disappears again and uh, runs off. And eventually she becomes Jaina Proudmoore's uh second in command basically her lieutenant hmm. uh her which advisor. we don't actually really know is canon because comic books yeah dubious canon but uh we assume it's canon at this point because that does also uh give us some other storylines that we do see con- confirmed within the game End game yeah so uh we assume it's canon at the moment um so yeah did you want to talk about a little bit about the avatar yes or did you want to talk um, a little bit about the tomb i'll talk avatar so, uh, a little bit of more information about the Avatar, because obviously we, we know the basic story built around the Avatar. Um, but what the, the Avatar, again, is a construct formed by Sargeras, used solely for his attempt to corrupt um, the Guardian of Tirasfall. Uh, it was purposefully weakened so that it could allow Aegwin the opportunity to, air quotes, destroy him. Uh, thereby allowing the spirit of Sargeras to enter Aegwin's mind and body. Um, so after she defeated uh, the Avatar, uh, it was emptied out of the spirit of Sargeras, but not entirely destroyed. Um, so the Avatar lies dormant. Um, so Aegwin decides to take the Avatar of Sargeras from Northrend to the Broken Isles. What uh, we now know as what Broken we now Isles. know as the Broken Isles. Yes, um, no at idea what it was it called was, back then. <laughs> at, at the time, it was just described as a night as a elven ruin in Kalimdor, as a ruin of Kalimdor. Okay, but it was. Uh, um, but one of the things I didn't mention actually in that is that uh, there were powerful wards placed upon the uh, placed upon the tomb before it became the tomb. And then Aegwin put even more powerful words on top of it also. But you were saying. Yes, so um, she took the dormant uh, avatar into the depths of what we know as the Tomb of Sargeras, formerly the Grand Temple of Elun. Uh, Chris will talk, uh, Gav will talk more about that in a bit. Um, the avatar was placed there by Aegwin herself following her combat with the Dark Titans. Um, and it is located just outside the Maelstrom. Uh, the focal point of the sundering of Azeroth during the War of the Ancients, and the Temple of Elune is the nexus of both Elven society and potential arcane energies derived from the Well of Eternity and the natural ley lines of Azeroth. Um, when it comes to Legion, the Avatar has been awoken by the recent invasion of the Burning Legion, most likely to command, most likely at the command of Kil'jaeden himself, the Deceiver. Love that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Avatar now stands guard at the lowest point of the tomb, defending Kil'jaeden from all interlopers and intruders as the Deceiver brings his plans for Azeroth's destruction to fruition. And... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, go on. No, no, no. no, no go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, it's, it's, it's one of those boss fights that are go- that's going to be very interesting to see how they build around it. How they I, actually represent it in game? I well, I've actually read a little bit about the fight. I've actually read okay. up on the uh, Avatar fight. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if they keep all of his mechanics in LFR. Is there a lot of mechanics? Um, yeah. So the long and the short of it is that it's a two phase fight, um, and your goal is not—it's not precisely to nuke him during phase two. It's to nuke as much as possible during phase one. Okay. Uh, because in phase one, he's kind of the avatar is kind of bound and restricted, 
So you need to get as much damage into him as possible. Does it jump between one and two, or is it phase one, then always two? It's a hard transition to phase two. Uh, In phase two, he basically breaks the floor out from beneath you, and you fall. And the bonds that were holding him, essentially, have uh, disappeared. And he goes full mythic Ragnaros. Full Titan on you. Yeah, he goes full heroic Ragnaros, stands up, does all that nine yards, whatever. Um, and then then begins pulling a Lich King and dropping portions of the platform permanently. Okay. Uh, and your goal, and he's unbound, so his abilities are stronger at that point. So it, it becomes a straight DPS race at that point. Right, so it, okay. It's a, it's a phase one is mechanics and a strong nuke. And phase two is just a survival game. Is it uh, percentage swap over or is it? It's a timed swap. Time over, based. Okay. Um, so it's it's gonna be a lot like Veilstraws in terms of like, like the closest fight I can think of. It's I'm thinking like Veilstraws plus Lich King. Kind of like a bastardization of the two. Yeah, so it's like you have that strong, like, burn, nuke, 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 get through as fast as possible, get as much damage out before you die kind of deal. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so it's really interesting that even Aegwyn herself couldn't destroy the avatar, the, the, the physical avatar form, uh, which is why she has to take it to the tomb. Yeah, because it's it's essentially a recreation of the fallen titan. It's um, a small fragment, basically. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it's just going to be a really interesting fight, because uh, he is the last boss of Wing 3. Uh, Avatar is the last boss of Wing 3, and then we're going to go straight to kill Jaden after that. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really fun. Um, except that, you know, I have to wait like a month and a half, two months, before I can actually do all the fights. So, womp womp. I'll let you know how it is. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh so finally, we're going to talk a little bit about the tomb. Uh, the tomb of Sargeras was once known as the Grand Temple of Alun, the central point of all Calderai civilization. This is all Night Elf civilization, so all Elven civilization. I was going to say, for people who didn't know what the fuck a Calderai was, Night Elf. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dorai is a word for Elf, basically. And then uh, it's, you've got the different versions. It's actually you know. children of, but yeah. Yeah, because uh, Calderai, I think, is like Children of the Stars or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and like, so, like, Quelderai is Children of the Sun, etc., etc., etc. But it. So, what's Sin? What's Sin for Cinderai? Children of the Blood? Blood. Children is it literally blood? blood? Okay. I'm assuming it's Blood. Uh, and Shawl, I have no fucking idea. Um, yeah, because it can't be Night. Yeah, so the Grand Temple of Alun, the central point of all Calderai civilization, and one of the major seats of power of Highborn society. You know, it's it's right off of Suramar, which is Elisan's personal uh, playground. Uh, you know, she was one of the one of the highest ranking Highborn that was associated with uh, Ajara and the Highborn court. Uh, the temple is described as painfully beautiful and the greatest affirmation of elven faith that's ever existed uh this was the whole focal point of all of the worship of a loon uh so during the sundering uh the temple's partially destroyed by the explosion at the well of eternity um uh, we assume it's partially protected by Alun herself. Uh, we don't know, uh, which is why you know, despite its close proximity to the well, it was sa- it was saved. Um, the temple and the surrounding island uh, that it rests upon, which we know as a broken shore, which has another name, it's Tal something or other, um, that survived the detonation, sank deep beneath the waves, never to see the light of Alun again, um, until it was raised from the ocean floor by Gul'dan, his shadow council, and the loyal storm. Reaver warlocks in his desperate search for the Eye of Sargeras, one of the only known relics tied directly to the Master of the Burden Legion, and one of two relics that existed within the tomb. Uh, there was the Jeweled Scepter, which allowed uh, Sargeras the ability to travel to any world and any realm uh, that he so chose, but though only a small portion of himself would be able to go through, and the Eye of Sargeras, which was just a powerful mystical jewel associated with him. Um... During that, uh, Gul'dan raised most of the temple up, 
the this is now this is our Gul'dan, not the not the new Gul'dan from the alternate timeline. Uh, and this takes place during the Second War, uh, and in fact, it's the reason why the orcs lost the Second War. Uh, Gul'dan takes a whole third of the entire horde on this desperate mission to the Broken Isles to obtain the Eye of Sargeras, uh, and in fact, he is, uh, he's killed. He, he, he and his entire force, Sons They are Sargeras, ravaged. They are ravaged. They are ripped apart. They are torn to shreds. They are destroyed by the fell influence and the demonic presence, uh, within the tomb. Uh, the state of the Avatar's body existing for almost a millennia deep inside of the temple has corrupted it and twisted it into a hub of demonic power and the corrupting energies of the Twisting Nether. Uh, though the temple still retains its haunting beauty, um, though at this point it is now occupied by the greatest legion force that has ever been seen on Azeroth, greater than even the forces that assaulted the world during the War of the Ancients yep. uh, and the Sundering. Uh, led directly in person by the Deceiver, Kill Jaden, one of the two great Eridar lords of the Burning Legion. Um, it's kind of one of those really interesting stories in that it was this grand, beautiful temple, this this affirmation of faith twisted into a fell portal by the Legion itself. I'm sorry, whenever anyone says Eridar Lord of the Burning Legion, I just think Lord Jirax. Eridar Lord of the Burning Legion. <laughs> I just think Lord Jirax. That's what I giggle. Trifling um, gnome, you face Jiraxus, <laughs> Eridar Lord of the Burning Legion. Uh, also, side note, the original name for the Broken Shore was uh, Thaldranath. Thaldranath. I knew it was Tal or Thal or something. Yeah. Alright. Um... Did you have anything you wanted to talk about with the tomb? Uh, no, you made me giggle. <laughs> I made you giggle, um, that's good. Yeah, it, it broke me. Uh, the one thing I will say, interesting, that we that we don't know where the original Temple of Elune, because that's what that says, it's the original Temple of Elune. We don't know where it came from, we don't know how it got there. Um, there's no lore indicating that. And We assume it was built point, by the, the earliest Night Elves, and you know, possibly their proto-elf. Or possibly even Elune herself. Because we don't herself. actually even know who Elune is at this point. The only thing you we know about Elune... You just love going on about that fucking wind chime, don't you? I do. I'm sorry. You know, she's, we don't even know if she's a wind chime because we know that she created the Naru. But we don't know if she is a Naru. Like, we don't wind chimes. We don't know enough about her to know anything. We know she created the Naru, but that's all we know. So that's that's the biggest unknown about the Temple of Elune. And, and the Tomb of Sargeras, because they're the one and the same, that we don't know how it even got there. there there's no history that's been at least released to us that we know. Mm -hmm. And I just think everything around Elune is so fucking interesting, I'm sorry. Fucking Because it's, it's, it's the unknown, and I love the unknown. Because that's where tinfoil hats come from. Yeah, tinfoil hats. Uh, I, I, you have to make sure you have the shiny side out, that's the only way to block out the new <laughs> Um, but wait, which side's the shiny side? Um, so I, that that pretty much is going to cover most of kind of like the crash course information about the tomb. Uh, we could go into talking about how Illidan, um, the the tomb is where Illidan tracked down the uh, skull of Gul'dan and the Eye of Sargeras and, and transformed and himself. How it was how the actual broken shore was actually sunk until Gul'dan raised it from the ocean floor. That's, there's so much more we could go into, even more in depth than just some of the stuff we've even talked about. Yeah, but I feel like this is a pretty good primer just on yeah. leading up into the Avatar and the tomb. And a little bit of information about Medivh, a little bit of information about Aegwyn, a little bit of information about Kil'jaeden. Yeah, it's... I, I, I love... I love these topics. We need to do more of these. Uh, yeah, that's something that we've talked about in the past. Um, so keep your eyes open over the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to try to do something a little bit more organized directly about this uh, instead of taking up all of our precious, precious airtime 
uh, for Azeroth Coast to Coast. Uh, we're looking at something right now. We're kind of cagey about it, but uh, just keep your eyes out for story time Coast to Coast at some point. It's coming. It's coming. The plane, boss, the plane. <laughs> um, Fantasy Island. What can I say? Hervé Villachiez. <laughs> so fucking weird. Yeah, I know. Um, so do you have any sort of final thoughts right now about our main topic? Um, I... My biggest interest, because obviously we've seen that Medivh is back when we did uh, Return to Karazhan. But then he tra- he fucked off into the Twisting Nether. But then he fucked off into the Twisting Nether. Are we going to see him at some point, maybe not in Tomb, are we going to see him maybe toward- going towards Argus? Are we going to see... What's going to... Are we going to kill Kill Jaden? We don't even know if he actually exists anymore. It's so it's so interesting, and there's just so many unanswered questions coming just from this patch and just from this kind of a topic. I yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that was it. Just so many unanswered questions. I would I want answers to. Ah, uh, the only thing I am waiting for is if to see if they pull the bullshit that I assume they're gonna try to pull, uh, which is um. You know, you strike down, kill Jaden, and he he falls, and then all of a sudden he asks you for tree fitty. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> we had one episode where we didn't say tree fitty, and then you did it. Oh my god! Uh, no, <laughs> I'm actually just I'm waiting to see if they try to pull a redemption storyline for him. You ruined it. I hate you. I know. I'm waiting to see if they pull a redemption storyline for him. You did it last time, asshole. I did it last time. Okay, now that's fair enough. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want them to do a redemption storyline for Kill Jaden. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think the fact that he has stood up to Sargeras is amazing, and I'm very interested to see where that could go. But I well, don't we, want any we, kind of a redemption. We ultimately know we're gonna get some kind of redemption of the Legion. All right, Lothraxian and the Army of the Light leads into that. Yeah. So we know we're gonna get some ultimate form of redemption for the legion and we're going to somehow turn the legion to our side uh to fight the void lords all right because yeah, our because our the void lords are the up. greater evil yeah because our goals match up yeah um so guys this is uh you heard it here first playable demons in 8.0 don't say that don't say that because now we're stuck to that yeah. <laughs> sucks to be you uh, you heard it here Beautiful. first, playable demons playable fucking demons in 7 and 8.0 uh, that'd be um, kind of cool actually. I'm not gonna deny that, that'd be fucking awesome I wouldn't mind playing a Shavara it would have to priest be a, it would have to be a third faction though yeah, I wouldn't mind playing a Shavara priest though I would want to be an Atherzim yeah, no, no uh, you can be an edgelord all you want, I'll go be uh, a, a super edgelord <laughs> well I play a D1 hunter so yeah, there you go. Um, so, do we have anything that we want people to stop fucking doing? Uh, no, people have been really nice this past week. It's been weird. Um, okay, so this isn't game-related, but okay. stop leaving your shit all over the goddamn place inside of retail stores. Alright, I'm a retail manager. It pisses me off when I find like a seven month old freaking Chick fil A, half eaten Chick fil A sandwich shoved behind like a couch or something. Stop fucking doing that, assholes. Alright? Ew. Fucking hate you all. It's fucking gross. Yes, it is. The shit you find inside uh, of a retail store, okay? Thank God I don't work in retail. Yeah, that's that's the point. Don't don't <sighs> be me. Stay in school. Go to college, assholes. Don't be me. <laughs> Alright. You have any final thoughts? Fuck people. Jesus Christ. Um, I concur. Uh, so that's going to do it for this week's show, folks. Uh, to talk to us during the week, you can find us on Twitter. The show is at AzerothCTC. Like I mentioned way, way back when, about an hour ago, uh, Mr. Kevin, our erstwhile bonitis having a friend, is at SwingCat with a K. Uh, Mr. Chris is at Akari underscore Mag. And I, of course, am at Gavril underscore ET. You can email the show at AzerothCTC at, email at gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our website, www 
www.azeroth.ctc.com. Uh, we have got all of our shows listed through there. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. I think we're set Spotify. I don't know. Uh, Sound? No, it's not. It's uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Store. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Store, the iTunes shop, anywhere you find podcasts of dubious quality. Uh, we love to hear your feedback. Please, 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 uh, if you have an opinion or if you just want to tell us to fuck off, go ahead and tell us. Send it to us uh, on any of the various channels that we own. Because uh, if you tell us to fuck off, I will read it. I will I will flat out tell us all to fuck off. I have no problem with that. I, the, the, some of the things that I've told him that he can't say from Nikolai... Um, yeah, are, are much worse than fuck off. So um, I'd be happy to let him tell us to fuck off. I'd be happy to tell us to fuck off, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so that's going to do it for this show. Uh, tell him to go fuck off. Fuck off.